welcome to Functional Design Enclosure. I am Nate Jones. And I'm Christoph Newman. Each week, we discuss a software design problem and how we might solve it using functional principles and the closure programming language. So, Christoph, what are we talking about this week? Well, this week, the problem I would like to discuss is the problem of actually making software at all in Clojure, or at least the problems I had when I first started trying to make software in Clojure. Cool. So like a meta, meta problem, a problem that impacts yes. all the other problems. Yes. I had many problems, but this is the most basic, most fundamental problem. How <laughs> the heck do I run this stuff, right? Gotcha. Okay. So, and so, so, so how did you? Well, so when I, first, when I first came to Clojure and I was learning it, it was, okay, fire up a REPL, type code in, and, and, and evaluate it and run it, right? And so I went through like the Clojure cones and, and I did it all in the REPL and I ran all these fragments and it was like, oh, cool. You know, so line, okay. line space REPL, right. got the REPL, go. And so that was fun. And, and then it's like, okay, now I want to make an actual piece of software that I can run, I can compile, I can run it. And, uh, and that's, that's, that's sort of where I started to get stuck. What, you didn't just type your entire application in and one invocation of the REPL? <laughs> that, that, that didn't work out for you? I see. Well, I did for Close Your Cones. <laughs> <laughs> yes. My four-line application, yes. <laughs> um, so... So anyway, so then I, my default mode of action in the past, of course, is like I'm coming from C, like C and Pascal and stuff were and some of my early languages and basic. So the idea is like you just edit the file and then you, you like recompile it and you run the binary or you edit the file. Like when I got into scripting, Perl and Python and Bash and all that, edit the file and just rerun it through the scripting engine, right? Got into web development, PHP, CGI bin. Well, so I would edit the file, and then I would reload my web browser, which would cause it to rerun through the scripting engine. Right, right. I don't know if you're noticing a pattern here or not. <laughs> no, and, and I, I, I can echo that same pattern from my, my development. I mean, I, I went through some of the same languages. Um, my most recent was Python. And uh, yeah, so you 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 still have to run you have to still have to run the program from from main from all all the way from the top of the code, so to speak, right? And right. I remember, and I you know wanting the the faster you can run it, the faster you can the faster you can try it out, the faster you can develop, right? Like the, we want to make that that loop <laughs> uh, as fast as possible. And so I remember, right? I had. Um, I had uh, I would use tmux, so I'd be editing my code in my editor vim, and I'd use tmux uh, tmux commands so that I could, as soon as I was done writing the file, I could I could I could I could run some sort of key sequence, and it would take and it would rerun my code again, and so I was able to get right. to the the edit the file recompile. I mean in Python, the recompile script is a scripting language, right? Um, but it, I could get that that loop down fast enough so that I most of my time could be spent thinking about the problem and less about waiting right. for the program to run, right? Yeah, and so all of this all of this is like a line in the same kind of thinking, right? And and this kind of thinking 
that I discovered, it's it, it really it occurred to me when I started using an auto builder, right? It would watch my files. Oh yeah, yeah. And it auto builder. Oh, are you change a file. Ooh, kick out a binary. Kick out a binary. Right, and then run the binary. And at, at that point in time, it was like I had made I had made the loop through the recompile process or the so fast. You know, I could just go run it real quick or just hit reload my browser real quick, right? And, and yeah. I, I had this aha eventually, like closure, like the REPL-oriented development model is a fundamentally different model. But it took me a while to get there. Like, I really just did not get there. And, and so that's why the REPL is so confusing because I know this now, but I did not know it at the time. Right. That... It- that this is a whole different approach. And so I was, I was trying to kind of take this, this other thinking and, and apply it. Totally. And, and co- it turns out Clojure doesn't have like a ton of support for this other model. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah. <laughs> for you, good reason, right? Yeah. Like we've talked in the past about the Clojure, how long it takes to start at the Rebel or how long it takes to run the program. Like there, no matter how fast you can issue the auto build command, you're not going right. to ever be able to to get it so that it runs fast enough because you got to wait for Java to start up. Right. And so that was actually the first the first problem I did run into. Right? So I was editing the code and I would make changes. So so I used line again to generate a skeleton. Sure. And I was just putting stuff in main. And and so I would I would add a function in main and it was like, "Okay, so I figured out how to run the main function from the REPL." And, and, but then I would make a change. I would hit save. And back when I was like using auto builders, it was like, oh, well then there would be a binary. I just rerun it. Right. And so I was like, okay, where's my auto builder enclosure? (laughs) Oh yes. And, (sighs) and I thought for sure, you know, just like two minutes on stack overflow, I'm going to find this auto builder so that I can just hit save. And I was actually really upset because I had been in Scala for a while and Scala has this incremental compiler, right? So you hit save and boom, it just spits out this new jar. You just go run it. And so I was just like, I cannot believe the closure community has not solved this super obvious problem yet. Right? Well, I mean, what have they been doing all this time? Yeah, it reminds me of those times where you solve a problem by it's like cutting the Gordian knot, you know? You 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 basically change the problem and that's how you solve it. I think that's the what, right. what happened in, in, in closure. <clears throat> right. And so I'm I'm a little thick headed, I guess. It took me a while to realize that the reason why the problem I wanted solved wasn't solved is because nobody has that problem because they do things differently here. Yeah, so so fundamentally differently that that, that it just it's unrecognizable. Even on Stack Right, Overflow. and so my process for getting there was was back to what you're saying, right? It's like okay, I launched the REPL and I, I hit save, and now I need to run this, and so I would quit the REPL. And I would launch it again so that it could reload all that code again. And then I would like use the na- main namespace and, and then I would run the code. I think I lasted all of like 15 minutes, half an hour. <laughs> right. We've probably talked about it longer than you, than you lasted on that one. Yeah. Because restarting the REPL. Oh, gosh. It's, you know, it's, it's not super slow, but let's just say it's not instantaneous in Java land. Right. <laughs> yeah. Let's just leave it at that. Right. 
So then I discovered the whole use namespace reload, right? So I would like use, you know, app main reload. And then at least I could I could get new changes and and that that took me took me there for a while. So so wait, so that's you 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 have your editor open and you, you change the code and then you like you you tab over to your REPL and type that in, right? Right. So I got an editor open, I got a REPL open, and then yeah, I hit save in my editor, I go to the REPL, you know, I'll get tab over to the REPL, hit up basically, <laughs> because I had it in my command history at this point in time. And then I would reload that namespace, right? Okay. And then I would hit up, up, or, and then rerun the function from there, like the main from there. Yeah, great. So now you have a way of, now you don't have to do the restart. Great. So you, you've right. basically taken the big time problem out. So, so you're able to go a little faster, at least. So fa- speed is good, right? Right. And so then... I started splitting stuff up into multiple files. I mean, you can only put stuff in main for so long, kind of in all all the examples we've been talking about in <laughs> our past episodes, yes. right? And and then I would forget, like I'd call some other function, and then I would reload main, and I would forget to reload that other namespace. So now I have this like a REPL history of use statements, right? Oh, <laughs> I'd arrow and now you have to figure to find out which one, which, which one, oh man, ended in the right order. Cause it was like the namespace yeah. has to know about the other namespaces to, to be able to use that function. Right. Yeah. And so fortunately like a circular namespace using enclosure is strongly discouraged. So, so we, we didn't have that problem. Right. But yeah, there was the ordering issue and, and, and so uh, maybe I'm ashamed to say I, I kind of got along <laughs> by arrowing up in my REPL and, and reloading namespaces for quite some time. Okay. Well, then, what what's the next step then? Well, so what threw me over the edge, really, was this accumulation of cruft, right? So what would happen is yeah. I changed the name of the function. And, and, and when I changed the name of the function, I, I didn't change all the, the instances in which it was called, right? And so I'd reload the namespace, uh, but the, oh, old, right. the old function was still present under the old name, and then all my changes were now under the new name. And so then I would be running things to try stuff, and I would get weird behavior, and I would be editing this function. I'd add in print lines, and they wouldn't print. And it was just like, Hey, closure! Like, have you gone completely deaf? Like, I'm I'm changing I'm changing the function. I'm reloading the namespace, and you're not running the right code because I forgot to change the name of the invocation. So the old one was like frozen in the nether world. Yeah, yeah, and also it means that if you ever were to quit your REPL, you'd lose all those wrong namespace, all those wrong invocations, and now you're you're left with a program that is not running that is unrunnable. Right. <laughs> Right, and so I would quit my REPL and I'd come back in. Exactly, that would happen, and and then I'd get errors when I tried to run it or wouldn't wouldn't fully load because it's like I don't know what this thing is that you're you're talking about. So I had all kinds of problems. So then then finally I had enough of this and I started googling like how do I like really reload everything, 
And that is when I came across Closure Tools namespace. Ah, uh, yes, that's that's a good one. And and so yeah, this is a problem apparently that other people have, <laughs> not just me. And and so I discovered the refresh function, and and so now I could just sort of up arrow refresh. <laughs> Instead of up arrow, up arrow, up arrow, up arrow to find the right namespace in all the right order. Right. And the nice and thing boy, about that, the refresh. For me, refresh was a game changer yeah, for me. That it, 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 it takes all of the change, all of the code that's changed and then it reloads it. And it actually, it's pretty intelligent because it actually, I remember going like, I only changed the, the one namespace, but it ended up reloading like five. And it's like, oh, well, it knows that those also depended on that namespace. And so it basically reloads all the dependent ones as well in the right order. It was kind of a cool uh, bit yeah. of, of magic there. Yeah, it's super magical. And there's all these other problems that I didn't realize at the time, like with with um, like def method and and def multi and getting those dependencies and you know there's issues around protocols because some of these things have underlying class implementations and uh, like like they create classes in java and and the, and so you get this weird like java remnant that 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 needs to get dealt with right so it actually is a really tricky problem to to do this right so oh man i was so glad when I found refresh from the the namespace, the namespace tools. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Okay, so you're able to refresh now. Now you can get all of your all of your code uh, reloaded, and so you you only have to run one function. That makes it really nice. Yeah, and so then the next problem I ran into. Uh oh. Well, well, refresh it. It works really good. It gets rid of all the cruft really well, including uh, itself. So, so I would I would use um, the refresh function, right? So I'd run use, and then I would basically import the refresh symbol, and then I would run that function, and then I would up arrow back to run it again, and it and it, and it wouldn't be there, right? It wasn't it wasn't imported? <laughs> oh yeah. It was so efficient, it, it efficiency itself out. We got to have a place to put it then. Uh, right. So that's when I did some more Googling and I discovered about the magical user namespace. I don't know why it took me so long to discover about the magical user namespace. Oh yeah, the, the, one, that, the one that you're dropped into when you're on line, line REPL or any sort of closure REPL, it always puts you in the user namespace. It was right in front of you, and you and 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 it took it took searching out on the web before you discovered the thing that was right in front of you. Uh, that happened to me many times. Right. <laughs> yeah. So so I mean, did you did you run into this user namespace yourself? I mean, how did you end up discovering the magical user namespace? Well, I I remember early on I would I would always change into another namespace because like when I'm editing the code in my editor and then I'd go over to REPL and I'd reload it and then now well now I want to call that fun I want I don't want to call like I, I I just made a new a new function in like you know app main some other namespace and I want to run that function well I don't want to have to fully qualify that function every time so I remember using the in ns. I think it's NNS. Right. Maybe it's just yeah, that would let you switch into another namespace. 
And so it's great because yeah. then I could I could run all the functions in that namespace. And the problem is once you do that, then you lose all of your all of your REPL. So when you run line REPL, it gets you all of the like uh, doc, the doc function, the apropos function, all those things that make it so that you can it's easy to inspect areas of code. And yeah. so I remember switching out of the user namespace. Well, I didn't know I was leaving it. I just knew what I was going into. And right, then I suddenly you had no idea what it was. <laughs> I could call the function I wanted to call, but I couldn't. So suddenly, my REPL was like was was hobbled. And so I'd always have to go in NS my namespace, run the function, then in NS back to user. Like I had to flip back and forth. And so that's kind of how I right. discovered. Oh, there's this user namespace, but I don't have any source code for it. You know, I don't have any like right. Um, but it did, it did take a while before I finally realized, oh, I can make, I can put code into a user namespace and closure, it'll be there for me. Oh. Yeah. That means I can Closure put auto loads like, it, right? Like it's like special. Yeah. Yeah. Pprint. Wonderful. And so like lining in by default, in the, it makes a dev folder, uh, a dev directory with a user namespace stub in there. And... Um, but it, it's funny because I did the same thing, right? I would switch namespaces and it's kind of like walking through a door and not thinking about the fact that you're in a building, <laughs> right? It's like, oh, oh, step one, walk out of the door and, 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 <laughs> wait, and not even thinking door? about like, oh, right. wait, what room did I just leave? <laughs> right? <laughs> As if doors are just sort of in the field, right? Like like in sci-fi movies, you, you look across the empty field and there's a door. It's like, oh, I must walk through this door, step one. Right, right. And so, yeah, so then after I discovered, oh, what I can do is I can, I can import the refresh function into the user namespace. It will get auto-loaded for me each and every time. Uh, then, yeah, then I can up arrow, refresh, up arrow, refresh. Yeah, that, that was pretty huge. But... Even still, even with all this reloading business, this doesn't really address this kind of fundamental philosophy difference that, that I started with. Like, I really just did not, it's still like I would be running main, right? And, and I would just, it's, it was like an easy way to run a high level function and just kind of do all the things like re-execute my application. Right. Still talking still starting from the top down. Right. And and I just didn't get how closure is different. Well, so different I mean there's REPLs in other languages. So I remember using um the what was it? The one the one in the browser, the JavaScript REPL. Like I can use it to to inspect my running application. I can see what global variables are there, you know. I can even run little code snippets. That was great. I mean there are other other REPL, other languages have REPLs, um, and and so that's kind of how I approach the closure REPL. It's like it's a REPL like any other one. I can use it to inspect things to, to pull out globals. Although you don't have as many globals in closure usually, but still, uh, I can run little snippets of code. Um, right. But it's like it's like the main use cases, right? You try out snippets, you inspect values, and then maybe you can kick off your your application. Right, like those those sort of more obvious use cases. Yeah, I remember, but I remember people just raving and raving about REPL driven development, and 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 the fact and the idea that closures was different than others, and I couldn't really uh, understand that until I realized what we're doing when we reload the namespaces is 
we're not just, I mean, if we reload the namespaces and run from main, we're just, we're just doing a shorter version of what we're doing in every language, which we're just we're starting right. from scratch. But what I can do is I can, I can, it's like there's this, this train speeding along at 80 miles an hour and I am able to, to, to throw a person onto it. The, the running code, I'm able to, to, to change it without having to restart it from scratch. That was like the huge aha moment that it's like, not only is my application inspectable, it's fungible. It, I can change it in, in place while it's flying along. I don't have to restart it. That's right. like the huge, like, ah, really aha moment that I had. And, and once right. I would kick off, I would kick off uh, um, a loop, like main loop, and then I could reload a namespace, and all of a sudden, like the print lines that were in, in the function were were immediately different. It's like, whoa, wait a minute. Yeah. <laughs> like, like I didn't have to reinitialize. I didn't have to start from the grains of sand all over again. Oh. It was man. like I could just inject a little bit, like this precision just bit in. I was like, oh, right. Yeah, and once you, once you. I mean, I remember once I felt that 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 speed increase because I mean, you know, optimizing away you know half a second of time in your in your loop, in your loop from changing code to seeing the effect. If you can if you can take away half a second, you save that half a second every time you make a change. But if you can basically make it so you make the change, and and I was like, I make the change and I I I I, I can reload it. And there's literally zero time between when I hit reload and the application is different. It's it's like so addicting. <laughs> um, right. But it's really hard to go back to slow languages. I mean, right. I, I might sound like a little bit of a, a, a closure elitist here, but it's really quite uh, mind expanding. Yeah. So there is a, there are some hints along the way that I was not viewing this. I even still after after I got to refresh, I still wasn't quite viewing this the right way. Um, so a buddy of mine, Keith Irwin, I was looking at some of his closure code because he's real formative in um, helping me get into closure. And he had these comment blocks, like a big block. It said comment. They had all these code fragments in there. I'm like, well, that like why would you do that? <laughs> like is that is that dead code or code? No, he's like no. No, I just I just evaluate that in Emacs, and I'm like, what? And and then um, I, I would read about like like Vim Fireplace because I'm a Vim user and things you could do, and I'm like, okay, wait a minute. I feel like I feel like there's a door that I need to open that I haven't gone through yet. Ooh, there's and, a new a new room that you can explore. Right, and that new room is editor integration with the REPL, right? Yeah. And and then and then in addition to kind of like building these fragments, all of a sudden I had this superpower. And so I just think that that topic in and of itself is that opening that door and walking through it is is what has been so significant. It probably bears having its own episode. What yes. do you think? Yes, I uh, know. I totally agree. I think there's there's there, the comment blocks. I think is is the first thing you will see as you peek through the door, and there's so much more in there. So let's let, let's save that all for another another healthy helping. Yeah, let's let's talk about that next time. 
Cool. Awesome. Well, this has been a good, com- a fun conversation today, delving back into the history of how we got into closure um, and how we, we were realizing its power. Um, so thank you everyone for listening. Uh, you can find our show notes and past episodes on the web at closuredesign.club and also on Twitter. We're on Twitter at closuredesign. Yeah, definitely go check out the website. We have a couple of interesting um, uh, series that we've done, just really a series at the very beginning, kind of going into state and handling state. We have a series that we've done on on Twitter and reaching out over the interwebs <laughs> and kind of managing <laughs> some of that. And so there's there's a lot of fun content if you're a new listener or if you're uh, you skipped ahead to this episode. You can you can get access to all that and the show notes at closuredesign.club. Of course, we love to hear from you. We would love to hear what you think of this episode and and some of like some of the stuff you've run into when when you're trying to use closure in a serious way. Uh, email us at feedback at closuredesign.club. All right, we'll be back next week. Until then, keep your code close and your REPL closer.